what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Motherhood's definitely the most hard and rewarding. <laughs> I feel lucky enough that I have other people doing some of the stuff. They've helped to heal things I didn't even know, cobwebs that were still there and I'm still working on. Welcome back to Meet Bridget. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Kashia Rosenberg, and I'm here with my best friend and founder of Bridget, Asha Gabriel. Together, we run a confidence and communication platform for teen girls called Bridget. Welcome back. We have an incredible episode for you all today. We're so thrilled to welcome the amazing entrepreneur, health expert, world-renowned celebrity fitness guru, mom, and host of the KISS Keep It Simple Sexy podcast, Christine Bullock to our show. Christine is an incredible force of nature with so many accolades and accomplishments under her personal and professional belt. Certified in yoga, Pilates, general fitness, massage therapy, prenatal and postnatal fitness, and nutritional counseling, she's coached and mentored thousands of women from ages 16 through 90, and everyone from novices to professional athletes. She's the creator of multiple fitness and nutrition programs, including Evolution 20, Super Shred, and she continues to craft innovative workouts for the top-rated Fit On and Brooke Burke Body Apps. She is a recurring contributor for many magazines and websites, including Oxygen Magazine, Style.com, InStyle Mag, Women's Health Magazine, Men's Health, Glamour.com, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, Bustle the Bump, and many, many, many more. Her personal theologies have evolved over time, expanding from fitness to total body wellness, a brand founded on the philosophy that it's not just about how you look, it's about how you feel and function. In more recent years, Christine has taken Total Body Wellness a step further and created an incredible line of wellness products called KO, which includes KO Body and KO Supplements. We can't wait to share the magic that is Christine Bullock with all of you today. So welcome to the podcast, Christine. Thank you. Sorry, everyone, for that long intro. <laughs> no, don't apologize. I just turned 40 last week, so I guess, you know, there's 20 years of or more of just hustling, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're so excited to get into it. We were like, oh, we have to we have to include that part. We have to include that part. I know. I was part. like, did I send that bio? I'm sorry. No, you didn't. <laughs> no. We pulled it. Okay. <laughs> we love it. So no apologies for any bit of that. When we say the many, many more, there was literally so much. So we really tried to condense all of the incredible <laughs> things that you've done. Yeah. So, so I'm excited to be here with you, ladies. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. We're thrilled to have you. We've been hoping you'd pop on for a while, and it's been really exciting preparing for this. And we're excited to dive into your foundational years because obviously you have so many accomplishments. And I can imagine, especially as a younger woman, you know, people look to you and wonder, like, how did she manage to do all of these things? It can seem overwhelming for someone aspiring to be someone like you. So we'll love to just break it down today. Um, start with your early years and and unpack just all of the awesome wellness amazingness that you are. So, oh, thanks. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'll see what I can offer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me take it way back to where you were born, where you grew up. What were you really like as like a little little girl? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up 45 minutes from the downtown, as we say it in Pittsburgh. 
And it was like, you know, I had almost horses basically in my backyard and little suburb community. I'm an only child as well. My dad was a school teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, And, you know, they were very religious in a good way, I think. You know, we were Christian. And so it was like church every Sunday and whatever the church school was on like Wednesday afternoons, you know. My dad was a teacher at the public school there. So I went to the public school. Um, you know, I live in California now and every, like the kids are all in private school, not ours, but you know, it's like, you know, I just had like that basic upbringing. Um, and you know, huge family on one side, I had like almost 20 first cousins on one side. My third cousins went to school with me and like, you know, would beat people up for me. Um, even though, so since I was an only child, it was nice. And then my other side was so tiny. I had like two little cousins, like completely different. Like mm-hmm. one side of the family, they're beating each other up every time I see it and it's complete chaos. And then the other side of the family are like quiet little mice reading books, you know? So I got a little bit of both, especially as an only child. I was definitely, um, I'm like an introvert extrovert where I'm very quiet and, I need, you know, if I'm actually even still out with people a lot, I absorb a lot of that energy. And so I like a lot of time by myself to renew and rejuvenate. Um, And I was like that as a kid. I was very shy, hated to be um, anytime, like in front of a crowd, in front of one person, anything like that. So, I mean, that's something that's developed over the years in order to provide the information to people. Um, I knew I had to get better at that. And, um, you know, I mean, I was really active as a kid. Like I love, I started ballet when I was three, I begged for it. And I was a ballerina for like 17 years, five to seven days a week and summer camps and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really do much else. I did a lot of sports. I was like track and cross country. Cause that's what my, my dad's run every day for 40 years. Um, but I was a speed girl, blue medals. I did swimming. I did basketball one year. I did cheerleading like one year failed miserably at that one. Um, (laughs) But I had a lot of fun. And so I like to try different things, you know? Yeah. It sounds like you were immediately drawn to really like physical expressions as at a young age. Did your parents kind of, you know, put you into classes like that? Or did you really just, you were just immediately attracted? I really begged for it. Yeah. Every single thing I went into, I asked to, you know, try it, try out. And even with ballet, I mean, it's funny because I love to dance and I love to be at the bar, but I actually hated the performance aspect of it, being in front of people and all that. It was just for me. So it was the actual ritual of moving your body that just felt so yeah. good to you. Yeah, and still does. I grew up with dance at a very young age too, and was also really, really shy as a young girl. And I remember feeling like the, the ways that I couldn't express myself with words, sometimes in dance, even just in a class, you know, at the bar, I just felt like that was kind of my place to feel fully expressed. Did you have like a similar experience when you were young? Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the funny part too, as an adult, that I really had to step over that boundary that I had had because I could express myself with my body, but I wasn't as capable of expressing myself with words. Um, and I ended up in college loving to write and all of that and really because it was geared, a liberal arts college geared into tons of writing, where to write a thesis, all of that. But I could write things down, but to just speak it clearly, I wasn't able to. So that was something that actually dance, and I feel like I've heard from a lot of dancers, we go through that because we do use our bodies to express ourselves and we don't use our words as much. Yeah. Well, I love that point that you've already kind of brought up about 
you know, this, this journey you've had from starting with that physical communication and really having to adapt it to, you know, a 360 communication in, in order to share all these things that you learned over the years. So we'll get into that because we, we love focusing on both confidence and communication skills in young women and, and how we can kind of build those in a variety of ways. So I love that. We'll have to kind of come back to that throughout the interview. Um, what was school like for you? Did you, I know you said hated you were shy. Hated, hated it. it. <laughs> hated it. I feel yeah. bad for my kids. I mean, luckily my husband loved school. And um, so I'm glad that he has that experience. But even looking back, I, I'm still like, oh, I would never want to go back to school. College I loved. I love learning. Mm-hmm. I love learning on my own. Yeah, school I did not like. I feel, and I actually, one of my first jobs, I was a teacher. I went to study uh, in college to become an elementary teacher. And I just could not get with it. And my dad is a teacher for after many years. It's just too it's not regulated for the creative. I'm very creative. I probably had ADD and I probably have it now too. So I think different ways. And the way they were learning was just too, I don't even want to say boring. It just wasn't meant for me. It's so very structured. Yeah. Yeah. It's so very structured. And to be honest, when you're shy on top of it, you know, there were all the years too, like, I remember, even though I was shy, I had one little girlfriend and somebody was like picking on her because it was like the big girls picked on her sister. So they're picking her. And I remember like defending her. And then years after that, you know, the girls just being super bullies to me. So I went through a lot of bullying from like seventh grade on. And so it just wasn't, it was just like self-protection mode all the time. It felt like, and around seventh grade too, I have to say, My parents went from, I went from this perfect little bubble upbringing of like ballet and, you know, going to church, da, 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 to them, me living in the middle of them in my, uh, in our house. My dad lived on one side, my mom lived on the other, and they just ran back and forth. Well, they didn't run back and forth. I mean, my mom did, but like screaming at each other, fighting all the time. And I think finally, I mean, it might've been sixth grade or something. My dad finally moved out and, but they had like a five or six year divorce. Oh, wow. So we went through this whole like trauma time and like my mom suddenly went to work and left. I was like working at 15 just to really have food on the table too. You know what I mean? It was just like a whole transitional stage. So you had to grow up quite quickly because it's you said seventh grade. I mean, that's a big moment of transition just as it is. That's like 13 years old. You're just moving into puberty and starting to, you know, try and figure out a sense of self. So that must have been really difficult. Yeah. That's when they started fighting. Ninth grade is when he left actually. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I look back now. I think now, I mean, uh, finally at 39, I'm 40 now, but this past year, I've really once you have kids, you start, oh, yeah, really diving into it because you want to be the best parent you can be, too. And you, mm-hmm. I like, you know, always trying to cleanse out the gook to make sure I'm not uh, continuing it on through the generations. And you're just like, that was a lot, you know? Yeah, for mm-hmm. anyone. But I imagine as, a, as a, um, an only child, did you find that you were trying to sort of naturally fall into the mediator role since you said you lived between your mom and dad on either side of the it house. It was, I had grown up with a dad who worked a lot because, you know, we're a middle-class family. He had to work a lot and he's a school teacher and a track and cross country coach. 
my mom was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I mean, she loved business and all of that, but she just wanted to be home for that point. She, So we were really close. So unfortunately, it really did put a split between me and my dad. And I just mm. ended up, I mean, even though he taught at my school, I actually didn't really talk to him. Um, I think like he, she sent me away to his house for a summer because I was being really bad. I mean, I wasn't even that bad, but um, you know, you're, you're acting out and you're trying to figure it out because no one's answering questions for you. Now I look back and I'm like, okay, or just totally, I mean, left me all on my own. And I, I'm only going into this because I know that, you know, all these girls I hear about all the time. And even us as adults, like we all go through things like this uh, and you make it out. <laughs> okay. I didn't really have a relationship. I mean, even after through college, I mean, I ended up not talking to him, I think, completely for years. I can't remember how many it was. And it wasn't until I met my husband after call. It was actually after through college. I put myself through college and met my husband years later at like 26, 27. And because we were going to get married eventually and all that, and just having a good male relationship in my life, I ended up starting to speak to my dad. And now we have a close relationship. He just stayed with us for like 10 days, got stuck here through COVID and all of that. So it's the longest he's ever been here. And he was like ready to go. (laughs) after being around my two kids for so long and my mom still lives with us my mom lives with us she moved out here that's amazing you know that's amazing um I really want to get into I'm curious if you're open to sharing how you rekindled the relationship with your dad because that's a big step to go from not talking to talking and having to get through that trauma but you clearly transition and you guys sounds like you have a wonderful relationship now I think it would be great to hear, you know, what that process was like and, you know, how you were able to bring some of those barriers down and in a respectful way, you know, I'm sure it was difficult. Yeah. I mean, I definitely not having a male figure in my life. I went through some bad relationships Um, and really not having a female in my life. You know what I mean? She just didn't have her opinion and of life because of her upbringing was Mm -hmm. biased. It was just, you know, and so I kind of always knew that, like, she'd always go on the attack of people right away. Like if somebody said something mean, you you know, and it's like, the world is falling. They, it's just, it was like a big thing. And I'd be like, they just having a bad day. Like, I'm not going to take it personally. And so I had a lot of figuring out to do on my own. Um, And at a young age, that's also hard when you're just financially responsible, you know, you're just doing it all. But in a good way, I got thrown into everything. And so, you know, I went through a couple bad relationships, picked like potheads and um, not the wrong wrong potheads, (laughs) but, you know, in that situation, they weren't really amounting to much, I will say. Um, Some emotionally abusive relationships as well and thought I was the stronger person. I can help them. I'm, you know, and then you finally come out of it and you're like, wow, they really did tear down my confidence. And I've always been a very confident person. Um, I just, I don't care if I fail. I don't care if I'm two pounds or 1 million pounds or acne or not acne. It's an internal thing for me. I'm happy with who I am. It's probably because I've been through so much already, but you know, it happens. You just, you get into those relationships and luckily I was able to just say, I can't take this anymore. And so from Pittsburgh, it was right around that time, I was around 25, and I actually moved away from one bad relationship, although he then moved out and kind of stalked me a little bit, oh, God. Um, to Los Angeles. And 
I was like, I didn't know anybody in Los Angeles. I just packed a couple bags and an air mattress and um, found an apartment in a beautiful apartment in Santa Monica. And I worked a medical device job at this point. So I just worked out of my home and I traveled a lot. So it's not like I'm working, meeting friends here or going to a job to meet people. So I was in my home working or I started to run. And I really hate running, to be honest. It's not my favorite thing. Like I'll dance, I'll do anything. But at that point in my life, I said I was like Forrest Gump. I would literally bleed through my shoes. I would run down Santa Monica. I would run like from Venice to Marina Del Rey or all the way up through Malibu and back hours. I would run. I would just think. And it was a time like I started to change my thought patterns where even if I thought about my ex or something else, I would immediately say, okay, if I don't like that, then what do I want instead? Or if I miss that, okay, how can I apply that to the next relationship and just kind of change that brainwave right away? So I'm not thinking about the bad stuff always. And it's funny because I did not want a relationship. I wanted to be single. Like three months into moving here, I walked into a bar, if that, that was super local to me where I lived. And my husband walked, my now husband walked directly up to me. We talked for like an hour. It was late anyway. And uh, he was like, you know, I'd love to get your number and get together. And I was flying to Asia very soon, like within a few days. And I was like, well, I have a couple days. And he's like, yeah, me too. I'm actually going to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, why are you going to Pittsburgh? I remember exactly (laughs) how I said it. He's like, I'm from there. It's my mom's birthday. He was like immediately like my family. I mean, when you feel, I don't, can't say, I don't believe in soulmates, but I just, when someone is like that energy will meant to be in your life. And so anyway, he's from Pittsburgh and we ended up dating when I got back and talking and stuff like that. And long story short is that a healthy relationship with this man, even though I wasn't ready, I tried to break up with him, you know, and I would actually go on multiple dates sometimes throughout the day, a day. And I'd be like, just Mm -hmm. take me home. And then I'd be like, Bob, what are you up to? (laughs) I would say, don't keep all your eggs in one basket till you're totally sure. Because then you start to eliminate things. When you're just on one person, you have no idea. But when you have like a couple, you're like, yeah, I really don't like that. I really like this person better. So I kept going back. And then even when it got kind of serious, I tried to break up with him. And he was like, "Um, no. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Like, I felt really bad. I was like, no, I think you're misunderstanding (laughs) me. So I ended up saying, because I was scared, you know, I was, yeah, but he was so good for me. And he's so healthy um, that it healed parts of me that I was trying to heal other parts. And even though I wasn't ready, that relationship helped to fully heal those other parts to then start speaking to my father again. I mean, we're going to get married. And so that kind of ushered the conversation. Um, You know, I wanted to make sure he was there, but I just wanted to heal myself. It wasn't about like, you know, heal my family or having to have a dad or having to have this in my life or whatever. It was just about, uh, becoming a whole person again, whatever that meant to me. Yeah. I love this. Cause I completely, so it's really funny. There's actually a lot of idiosyncrasies in the way you met your husband. And then like, you're talking about dating, going on multiple dates. I used to joke with Kev, who's my husband. I'm like, yeah, I used to have breakfast with one person, lunch with another, but it was like, you're figuring out what you like and don't like after coming out of relationships that are just bad for you. And you have like no idea what you're seeking. It was the best time of my life. For real. I mean, because I was like, you know, that like no relationship. And then I'd fall into like somewhat like a year or two year relationship, not so healthy, you know? And it was just like the best time. I mean, I had the funniest 
like stories of like trying to hook one guy up who flew in from Florida, which I thought was business to like a, somebody in the bar was my friend's bar, you know? And so I was like trying, yeah. we trying to hook her up with like a girl that we randomly met. And then I was hiding around, I pretended to leave and I was hiding around the side until we left. And I went back in to hang out with my girlfriends. Like, I'm just glad I had those stories. Yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. lived aboard Hype before that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it can be like discouraging when you do have those bad relationships and, you know, it can affect your confidence and self-worth in the moment. But then looking back, I feel like when I met my husband, it was so clear to me because at that point I had figured out all these things like, no, that's a no, that's a no. That, yeah. You know, I would really have rather that had been this <laughs> instead of what I did experience with that guy. Um, it makes it like so clear. So like, I mean, yeah. with relationships, but also with jobs and stuff, yes. I've tried different things, realizing like, okay, I failed at that. I hated that. I spent yes. two years in that situation or with that person or in that job. But you come out of it with a, a sense of clarity that is more than worth the time that you spent doing the thing or being with the person. You yeah. just. I feel like I was delayed a lot for certain things, which I wish I would have learned a little faster, maybe if I had a healthier environment growing up. But I don't feel regret. I'm actually glad I went through all of them. Like, There's no regret in all of that. Yeah. I'm perfectly where I should be at whatever age it was. And kind of going back to the relationship, it's my personal power I took back. Because in all of former relationships, even from 15 on, because I was shy, even though maybe I really liked once somebody that was a little older and intimidating, I never went for that, right? I never went for the person who actually intimidated me. I let the person pick me. And so, you know, and even though I liked that person, I was always allowing that person to pick me. And so with my husband or with that whole dating time, I was picking the, the person. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with jobs. Like you're just taking your personal power back to what you like instead of saying, yes. all right, I'll just get this job. I'll just get, I'll just take yeah. this job. That's such a great point. Yeah. yeah. On that point, I'd love to go back because you mentioned that you were working at 15 and then, you know, you put yourself through college and then you, you know, majored in psychology, behavioral psychology and education. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, and then you went into medical devices. So I'd love to mm -hmm. kind of follow that path, like starting with what you were working in yeah. when you were 15. Dunkin' Donuts. I make a mean donut. Could actually <laughs> not eat donuts for like 20 years after that or bagels yeah. or coffee pot as the smell <laughs> of it was just like, ugh. I still don't even love them. So if you ever want to get rid of a habit, just live in it. I had the same experience at Red Robin. I'm like, I cannot walk into a Red Robin and smell it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. And then, um, my gosh, I worked at like Pizza Hut for a day. I came home with pepperoni. My hair I was like, this one's not for me. I worked as a dishwasher for a day. It was also like, still not for me. Um, but I did find a job at Glamour Shots. I forgot about this until recently. I mean, like I was at like Giant Eagle pulling things forward. I had so many different jobs. But um, Glamour Shots was kind of a fun one. It was at like our local mall. I did people's hair and makeup, you know, people from our high school, but also like you guys all kind of know like a Glamour Shots type yeah. or whatever if you local. So we had like all the moms coming in and they're like lingerie and stuff, <laughs> you know, and to be perfectly honest, the photographers were really messed up. Like they oh, were God. not, you know, just like normal. So a little bit of weird atmospheres, but it was fun. That's when I started to do makeup. I had pulled that from ballet. I was still kind of dancing. I had to quit after a while because we didn't have the money. I didn't, I couldn't really continue to pursue it and driving and you know all that kind of stuff I had to work it was nice to be able to apply it there and be artistic I actually went to Carnegie Mellon University mm -hmm. for a full summer too 
right around then. And I studied drawing. So I just did their classical art and we did portrait drawing and the bodies. Um, We did like, you know, I forget what it's called, but like architecture, all of that. But my favorite part was having the nude model and drawing bodies. And it's funny, I just always, you see how through your life, if you start to look back, all those patterns that happen, like I love the study of the body, that's it. Like, that's all I have. I'm going to continue to do it. That's what my passion is. I mean, I only wanted to be a ballerina. That was it. I had no other dream in life. So when I had to kind of figure it out, I really had no idea. I actually uh, went to massage therapy school right out of college And I forget where else I was working at that time, but, um, you know, some odd jobs. And that's, I took about a year and I did community at the same time to get some credits, got the massage therapy, but I was so young again that the boys were like, yeah, I'm on the massage and I was going to have all girl (laughs) clients, but I was just because of that, I was like, this is not it. So I decided instead of being a starving artist, I don't want to starve. I want to make some money. So I went to college and because my parents' divorce wasn't finalized, I'd got accepted to some like amazing colleges like um, Savannah College of Art and Design to uh, like Fordham in New York. And I ended up going to Chatham University in Pittsburgh, which is a small all-girls university to stay home with my mom, or at least to stay in the same city to support her. Because she's still, we had like no money because it was all being held up in the divorce. Plus we're a middle-class family. There was like no money anyway. It was such a blessing. Like I'm glad I went to this all-girls university. It really helped to clarify. I had great role models around me. I mean, they were all working hard, the girls, right? And then once you, I mean, it was probably like 20 people in my class in freshman year. And then once you got into your specialty, there was like five people in my class. So even though they went out and they partied with all the boys everywhere and all that, everybody was really focused on school and doing the best they can. And you were kind of like an outcast if you weren't, you know what I mean? So it was just, just a great team to be around. Very liberal arts for me, like so much about recycling, so much women's studies in it. And my mom was a bit of a feminist. And so it was nice to just learn so much more and have that support of women in whatever you wanted to be. So I found out I loved my psychology teacher. Again, it was a study of the body, behavioral psychology, you just learn everything about anybody. And I actually wanted to be a child psychologist. And then I, I had done a lot of side work. And I just, even with the elementary ed, like you go in early to the schools. And I was in middle, uh, inner city schools. I just took it on too much. And so I was like, I'm going to adopt each child. Fast forward, I ended up adopting a child. So I probably would have. <laughs> so it just wasn't, it didn't end up being the job for me. But I, I got the elementary education degree and the psychology um, BA. During this time, I worked three jobs. So I was a librarian, which was fun. I became a yoga instructor my freshman year. So that's when I started teaching yoga and started teaching at the school. And then my girlfriend, who had ushered me into massage therapy and then yoga, ended up having a tumor kind of in her brain suddenly. She's totally fine now, but she couldn't drive and, you know, they they just had to watch it. So she was like, can you please take over my yoga classes? So I got thrown into it right away, my own yoga class, which is a little intimidating, but that was one of the first times where you're just thrown in front of people. And I just started teaching there though. And I taught at the school, which I really liked because those girls didn't know, I really didn't know what I was doing. It was a nice transition from one ballet, which I just put away because I'd done it professionally for so long to yoga and working my body. 
And then I started working at the local Sephora, which was walking distance. And we were one of the first Sephoras in all the United States. It was 20 years ago or more now. And it was so professional of a business. I love Sephora still, but I feel like it's gone downhill a little bit. Like the education was there. I mean, how you respected the client. Uh, We had manuals so thick that we would go through and you had classes and classes. The uh, brand owners would come in and educate us or the trainers couple weekly. I mean, it was just such a great experience. So I worked there for almost six years because I worked there like a year after college as well. And I actually became a national trainer there. So then I went on to train all the employees. I'd fly to New York or San Francisco to train them in skincare and cellular health. Like we would break down ingredients. We'd have three days for that or two and a half days and like two days for makeup application. So I learned a lot about makeup application and then like a day or a half a day or something like that in perfume. So I actually learned a lot. Like I could smell things and I could read ingredient right away and see how they mixed and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, you know, it was a fun job. It was so great. And then from there, there was a local plastic surgeon right down the street. He wanted me to open his like spa portion of his business and manage it. And he had no one else really out of running out of there, I think. And so I brought in some medical devices, managed the medical devices. Someone like me, I forget how they were rated, but I could actually do the treatments. They're called, they were microcurrent. Like we all know new face, but these are professional versions of microcurrent. And so I do that and, you know, IS clinical, all that kind of stuff for him and just brought in brands Then the microcurrent machine ended up, the owner really liked me. So then on the weekends, I would travel around the United States with her and kind of like do the big medical shows. And so then she threw me on stage. We actually would build, she would build a stage where you, if you've ever been to these shows, like there's like little booths and stuff. She built a whole 360 stage. Just one time she just threw me on and I just went at it on a mic and they liked it so much. They were like, you're going to do this all the time for us. And so again, another speaking where you just get thrown into it. And so I ended up doing that. And then she wanted me, she was like, you need to get out of Pittsburgh. She's from Greece and, you know, she lived everywhere. She lived in Hawaii. That's who I had to end up. Well, I'll back up. So she was like, you got to get out of Pittsburgh. And even the plastic surgeon I worked for was like, you need to get out of Pittsburgh. And he was so supportive. And he actually let me, you know, wanted me to go with them full time. Now, I have to tell you, my jobs, other than the first original ones that now from here on out are commission-based, never made salaries. I hustled. It was up to me to make that money. And so even like working from home, like those machines were like 20,000 to 50,000 or 70, you know, total. And I would sell them over the phone. It was like selling the emperor's new clothing over the phone, basically, I said. And then I would go and I would train them. I would open up the spas. I'd tell them how to partner skincare. I would tell them how to continue to sell packages, make the packages, bring that client back, all that kind of stuff. Because I always had a knack for marketing and understanding what a client needs. You know what I mean? What that person needs and what's actually going to work too. Like this isn't like total salesy. Like this is actually your client's going to get the results by doing this. So this is what we, how we have to do it. And that's when I actually picked up and moved to Los Angeles. And that's when like I'd go to Asia with them and and do that and started traveling around the world. And that was like my first time doing that kind of stuff too. And so, and then, I mean, I'll just briefly. So then from here, I ended up getting another medical device job where um, they're fixation devices for plastic surgery. So I used to go into surgery with all the plastic surgeons here in Beverly Hills and Santa Monica, 
watch them peel the face off, put it back on, give a nice little lift. And then I met Dr. Orden, who is the main um, doctor on The Doctor Show, which is like CBS, NBC for years and years. And I became his, he asked me to, to be his patient coordinator. And it's kind of like the dating. Remember how I said I fell into all of these jobs? I'm so grateful. I got so much amazing experience, but I was asked for all these jobs. I think this trajectory is so interesting because they all sort like when you look back retroactively, they all, like you said, fit into this pattern of you just constantly being drawn back to the human body in whatever capacity that is. And so I love that you didn't start out knowing exactly what you wanted to be. In fact, it was like the opposite. It's like, I want to be a ballerina, but you couldn't do it. So you kind of had to figure out your pathway one step at a time. So when you encountered each of these experiences, did you feel like they were presented to you and you were saying yes, or did you actively seek them out or like, what was the thought process going on? Yeah, I mean, great question. I wasn't even trying to figure out what I wanted in life. I was still in hustle stress mode of like, how much money am I going to make? So each time I was making more money. I went to the plastic surgeon. I was making more money. I went to the medical device. I had the opportunity to make more money if I was good at sales. I went to the other one. I was making even more money. It was great, you know? And so it was more of a financial decision. And they were asking me. I wasn't seeking them out whatsoever. I mean, other than like, leaving the one meta, the microcurrent because the owner was just a little off a rocker. There was a lot of things going on that were not so great and everybody was leaving. That was the only time where I was like, I'm going to find another medical, medical device job, but it was just, I needed another job. But when I finally went and I was a patient coordinator for Dr. Orden, that was for a girl with ADD who's creative and da da da. And all you're doing is organizing surgery patients and numbers and prices. And then he's on TV. So he's like canceling or pushing surgeries. I was like, this is not the job for me. I love working with the clients. I'd go in. And, but what I learned was I would work with the clients and I love to go in and I love to be like, he ended up having a lot of gastric bypass clients, which we don't get a lot in Los Angeles, but because he was on TV, people were flying in, you know, you're left with these scars afterwards, right? I mean, hopefully you can treat him and they go away. But I was like, well, let, how are we going to prevent this from happening again? So I would be talking to them about fitness. I was still teaching yoga on the side. I was learning other fitness. Like I started to fall in love with bar, which had just basically launched. And I was like, let, let me tell you about this. How about this nutrition? I was still doing all my side research and fun stuff and that. And I was dating my husband at that time. And I was like, I think I just want to go be a trainer full time, but I'm so embarrassed. I'm already in my thirties. It's not a job. That's not a real job. And he was like, and I was making such good money. And he was like, you got to do what you love. And so I think it was even before we were married, I ended up quitting with his support. Actually, something happened with the job, with their their medical devices. Mm -hmm. And I got like a nice little payment. They actually had to let us all go. And then I went back and I got my like one year Pilates certification classical. I got bar during that time from the Lotte Burke, which is it took a long time. It's not like your weekend training. It was like a month or something like that or two. Um, I just at, started adding those certifications, the fitness training, the sports nutrition, the this, the that. So I took about a year and a half, two years to just bang it all out, start teaching, start coaching, doing all that kind of stuff. That's when I really started to decide this is what I want to do. I mean, and yes. it really, it opened, the doors just opened after that because I feel like yeah. I was fighting, even though I was making good money. 
and I enjoyed it. I loved learning all that stuff. And I, there was something missing. I can't explain it, but you know, I was just like knocking my head on the wall, off the wall. When I made that decision to be a silly trainer, that's what it was in my head, a silly trainer, the doors just opened. I mean, I got so many amazing jobs. Like my first was at Equinox, which was just booming at that point. It just blew up. They put me in their videos where again, blew up. I was in two of their videos almost right off the bat. I was on the covers of magazines. I was like, you know, the packaging for P90X for Insanity. I was their ad, their girl in their ads. Like, and I fell into modeling because of it. Like I just literally fell into it, got one job. And then it was like, okay, we're just going to keep sending you out. And I was like, well, it's money. I'll go. But it just really opened my career. And I, so the one main learning lesson I learned from this was whatever you want to do, take the step and the doors will open when you're on the right path for you, the doors will open. It's easier. I think especially it sounds like after you got over that, like, oh, what will everyone think of me becoming a trainer at 30 after going to college and doing this whole other job, like this trend, what will people think? But then just getting over that and, and listening to that clearly very entrepreneurial spirit that you had from the beginning, you know, kind of you, you went through like the sales jobs, which sales is very entrepreneurial, but then even seeking even more of that independence and creativity um, and taking that leap. I love that story. And, and how it's like, it wasn't like you were 10 years old and you're like, you know what, I am going to run these businesses when I'm older. I'm going to have my own self-led career. You didn't have to have that vision from the beginning. But you, you know, while taking these opportunities and following your gut and what your true interests were, they came to you. And and to be honest too, like my parents, they just didn't understand. So it wasn't their fault, but they weren't supportive of the arts. Even though I went to CMU, like they're like, being an artist is not a job. Being a ballerina was never going to be a career for me. Like there was something that they, so then being a trainer or something like that, which is kind of in the arts, I, I think. It's not, it was built into me. It was not a job. Even moving to Los Angeles was like, nope, 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 nope. You know, too big, too big. And it's like, these Mm -hmm. aren't, they're not really that big of a decision. It's just, you go for it and you can actually make money, whatever it is that you want to do. If you continue to pursue it in a smart way. Yeah. That's such a great point. Absolutely. During all this time, I mean, you very clearly established a lot of relationships because, you know, getting these opportunities, they don't come to you unless you're, you're presenting yourself in a professional way. You're friendly. People want to work with you. So during that time of your life, did you find, um, were there specific things that you did to kind of develop your, your confidence, the way you were communicating, the way you were presenting yourself? Like how were there specific tactics you were kind of using at that time? For sure. I mean, the behavioral psychology for me, my mom always loved psychology And I had to listen to psychology, like audio cassettes growing up and like Tony Robbins, even she had me listening to that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it was always, you know, I learned a little bit about it and in business, actually, because she had me reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was like super tiny, but there's still lessons from that that I really love. Um, And then the behavioral psychology, I just learned a lot from that degree. And I think we can use it no matter what job we're in as a mother, as a wife, you know, whatever kind of relationship to any kind of career, because no matter what you do, people are involved. Like, you know, even if you're working with animals, guess who owns those animals? Typically, you know, a person and even with animals, you use it. So it was just so vital. Like I knew, and, and I think too, working at Sephora 
So I grew up and, and again, in the suburbs and everybody's just in Pittsburgh, people are really kind. I mean, you go to any city and they'll tell you like you kind of come back and they're just really nice people. Well, working at Sephora was like the one kind of downtown place where the wealthy lived and the ladies were like my first taste of like cold, right? You know, or standoffish. So that was one of my first experiences where like, you know, Sephora, you have to be like, hello, welcome to Sephora. And then you get greeted wherever. And ladies, like I'm young. Okay. I've always been treated. You're so young. I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. Right. And so they just like roll their eyes and walk away. And at first it was so offended and hurt and took it personal. And then after a while, I just learned I can go right back up to them. I put my arm around them. This is way pre-COVID when you could just touch people and it was okay. And I'd be like, <laughs> are you looking at this? And I would just turn it, turn it around till this lady who didn't want to talk to anybody is like my best, my new best friend. Right. Yeah. It's kind of disarming yeah. me. Charming. <laughs> the next job, the, the, uh, the, well, not the next, but the microcurrent job, I had to sell to doctors. And so I better know my stuff. So I knew I, I had to know cellular science so well, cause that's how it works. Um, that I could outwit the doctors. And then it was the same thing, especially with medical devices here in like Beverly Hills, they call those kind of medical device people, Barbie and Ken. Cause typically they're attractive, but you know, and it's a, it's a joke, but maybe they don't have so much brain. And so, and then the doctors end up asking you on dates and stuff, and it can be a little bit of a sleazy job, but you know what? I've been through that my whole life and I, because I've been on my own and I knew like I'm not having this. So yeah, I'd go in and I'd be, you know, I would know my stuff and they'd be like kind of, and then I would know my stuff and out with them so much that they would respect me. And then that was always the thing was like, I need to educate myself. I need to know everything I, I, I can about this and I'm going to get my job done so that they, I can't be put in that situation. Even in the, you know, mm -hmm. photography and like the being in Los Angeles, I'm just, I look back, I'm so lucky with like photographers and all that kind of stuff. It can be super sleazy and you hear, you know, especially with the Me Too movement that came out with the actresses and all of that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was in those situations and I ended up becoming respected by those people where they like tried maybe to ask me out on a date. It's like now I look back and I'm like, oh, was that when they were doing that? But it ended up yeah. being like, you know, nothing for me. Yeah, you, knew, yeah. you knew how to feel yeah, it. Like, exactly. There's such an important lesson to take out of this because, again, it's like what I'm hearing is you didn't set out with any of these things with a specific intention in mind, but you continued to grow in a direction and you were open to learning these lessons. You listened to your intuition. And like you said, you can do anything you want to do if you do it in a smart way. So I think now with the way that technology is and how, you know, any piece of information is accessible at the tip of your fingertips. When you were doing this, it wasn't like there was you know, Instagram to market all of these things. You weren't relying on social media to create relationships. You had to really put in the work. And I think that's something so important for our girls to hear now too, because there are all of these new tools at our disposal, at our disposal, which are phenomenal, but don't focus just on them. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. The end point is like, you're still talking to another person. So if you can focus on that and creating these relationships. And like you said, like making sure you know your stuff 
like then that's how you put the work in and continue to gain value from all of these experiences. And I feel like with social media, even if you're in the arts of like, if you're in fashion and you're dreaming of fashion or actress or whatever, if you're in fashion, then you should be putting out knowledgeable things and really educating people. But you need so much more or you're going to end up empty. If it's mm-hmm. just based on what you're getting off of social media, even if you're getting side jobs and this, like there's just something to evolving and expanding and just working hard. Like that's why I guess I've always been like, you know, my, I, I mean, my husband knows this, like we could split up and whatever can happen. And I totally fine. Mm-hmm. I'm that. And that gives you that personal power yeah. that you talked about, like kind of taking back when you first started that relationship and then in that stage of your life, just being able to know that you can, you can always land on your feet. Yeah. And my husband loves that too. I mean, that's what he continues yeah. to find so attractive, you know, where I've been in other relationships where you're like, what are you doing? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. Go ahead. Go out. Yeah. Women can, can feel sometimes, especially young women that when they're getting into a relationship or, or a job or approaching social media, that they need to be like pleasing and available to others, especially I think this happens with, with pretty girls, you know, that it's like, you need to go and young models that when I was working in modeling, I would see young girls that were so eager to please. They're like, these are the authority figures and I need to just do whatever they need or make myself whatever they need um, in order to succeed. And it's actually like quite the opposite. It sounds like you, you know, clearly you're very beautiful inside and out, but it sounds like it almost also led you to over-prepare in all of these other areas of your life. So that when you were in those situations, your preparation was shining even stronger than, Mm -hmm. you know, the physical, you know, beauty and everything that maybe got you into a modeling gig or a training gig or, you know, one of your, your various jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even look back to like, you're, you're saying that like pleasing people when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody. So two months in, I was like, I got to meet somebody and I got to do something creative. Cause I was just doing business all the time. So I was like, I'll take an acting class. And now listen to me. I'm not an actress. I hate it. I told you, I hate talking. I actually love talking now in front of people of like things that I love. But ask me to read a script and I'm like, oh, God. So (laughs) I can't act. Anyway, so I went to this like top acting class, little did I know. And she ended up throwing me into whatever it is where you're in front of producers right away. And it ended up then that sleazy producer, whatever he was, asked me out on a date or just like asked me, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I will be an actress. You don't know. And I ended up feeling the intuition because you said, go, you know, I really did. I didn't realize I went with my intuition a lot and I ended up not going, but he was one of the main people on the me too thing. I was like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) So listen to your intuition, ladies. Yes. Like that's a powerful, powerful thing. I mean, you have so many things going for you right now. I'd love to kind of dive into some of the various, you know, like more celebrity training outlets that you expanded Mm -hmm. into some of these programs you developed working with Brooke Burke and then um, hear more about KO and your entrepreneurial ventures too. Yeah. I mean, so when I started to really pursue um, fitness full-time, I loved it. And it was actually the fitness modeling that taught me a lot because at one point I'd go in, I've always loved more of like a creative movement, um, you know, within fitness. 
But um, mm-hmm. I started actually lifting weights in a gym of professional weightlifters when I was 15. My mom needed to go because of like back pain. So she took me. So I knew a lot about weightlifting. And so I loved it. But I liked that kind of creative Pilates, yoga, movement. Um, and so I mixed them. You know, I would mix them. And then within the fitness modeling, one day, actually on one shoot, I'd be required to throw my leg behind my ear, you know, and hold a yoga pose forever. And then at the next moment, I'd have to jump rope for like, you know, however long. And then the next moment, I'd be throwing a tire. So I had to be really Mm -hmm. good at everything. I had to be powerful. I had to have agility. I had to have balance. I had to have flexibility. I had to have it all. Well, when I was like that and just doing these like mixed up workouts and making them super short too, I was in the best shape of my life and it was so easy for me. So I was like, wow, this is it. I've really found, and I felt my best too. So that's where Evolution 20 came from. That literally they're called like agility, power, endurance, you know, bar class, you would like hold it for 20 million reps. So that was like your endurance, like burning Mm -hmm. out the muscle. So you're tricking your body each day. And as much as I love like Los Angeles, I never wanted a location. I I didn't want, uh, there's so many things I didn't want. I didn't want to manage because you end up not being creative. You're just managing people at that point. But I didn't want the clientele. I hate to say it. I didn't, I I Uh, wanted to bring the education that I had back to all of middle America or everywhere else, right? Than just the big cities. And so um, it allowed me having work, worked on set and on DVDs and all that for so long, I was like, I can do this. And my husband got behind me and we produced it ourselves. You know, we had everything. We had a two day shoot. We did 12 videos or something like that in two days. And had my wow. friends come in for different videos and be, um, you know, in the back for makeup, all that kind of stuff, food, catering. And um, so we produced Evolution 20 and packed it. I mean, it was just it was such a learning experience. I didn't know anything about the other side of it. And I had a manager at the time who helped to just, you know, get it out there. It's still selling, to be perfectly honest, on the fitness sites and all that and get it on app and all that. And then um, just followed up with like super shred, you know, a little faster, a little quicker. But I always believed in these 20 minute workouts and mixing up your programs. Like you just think like an athlete, the athletes with the most beautiful fit bodies are really good at all. So if you just look at it, like a football player, uh, and to be honest, I don't know what positions are called, but the ones that have to run fast, (laughs) jump over people, right? power through and hit. Like if you can do it all, you're going to automatically, not just the guys that hit hard, right. And then stand there and eat really a lot. Soccer players. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Swimmers. They're just, you're an athlete. So let's just think like an athlete and do workouts like an athlete. Um, And so that's what I, you know, I created and I ended up going through other health issues at that point, even though my workouts were short, I'd have like, you know, long days on set where you're doing fitness Mm -hmm. or I'd have long days training people where, I'm eating like two smoothies a day because it's just back to back to back to back to back to back. And then munching a lot at night. And a lot of trainers actually have these health issues because of the same things, you know. And so then I went through a lot of other kind of like hormonal health, fertility, all this kind of stuff because different forms of fitness and nutrition and being a vegan, I was for a while flung my body into hormonal imbalance. And so then I got to learn a lot about that. Like these are all just like learning experiences that I'm so grateful for because I get to share them with anybody that wants to hear about it and how I ended up healing myself too. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a really important story to share too because 
we see a lot of girls that are so hard on themselves now, whether it's because they're comparing or they're, you know, trying to brand themselves for like the rest of their life at like 15. And I think there's really something to, you know, how life moves in waves and you can follow your intuition and be on exactly the right path, but there will still be moments where you hit burnout. And then, so what do you do and how do you course correct? And I would love to hear that from you. Burnout and boring, but thank God for the boring because you'd be like (laughs) burnout if you were always just going a mile a minute, you know? Um, Yeah, course correct. I love that. Wow. How do I correct? I don't know. I think parenthood has also taught me a lot. I still love my job. I mean, my husband and I on Mondays are like, bye. <laughs> kids. <laughs> um, I hate to say it, but you know, we love those moments with our kids. I learned to balance at least a little bit more where like it's taught me. So when I first had my first daughter, Remy, when she was born, I tried to do it all, all the time. So in the evenings, I was trying mm-hmm. to work and be with her. On the weekends, I was trying to work and be with her. And I thought, this is not working for me. So very quickly into it, I learned I got to focus on my work when I'm working. And even during work, then I'd be like, I oh, have to go feed her. Even though we had help and stuff, I wanted to do it all. You can't. So I just learned I'm here for this and I'm here for that. And it's the same thing with whatever you know, you're trying to do. You take those moments to really focus, but remember to find those other things for you that free you and free the weight from you of whatever it is. If it's work, if it's what you're focusing on, if it's who you are, what you're thinking about yourself, because then you're not so stuck in that like trailer of your mind of like these little things, because it's the creativity that really opens you. Or I mean, even recently, like we went away for my 40th birthday last week. We never take just like a little trip like this where we don't do anything. It's moments like that that we need. And especially, I mean, for the young girls too, like just talking body types, because you brought that up or, you know, body image. Yeah. I mean, social media is so hard. I think about my two daughters, you know, growing up. And when I was in fitness, it was like, you're too skinny. You're too muscular. You're too big. You're too this. You're too that. Your abs, mm-hmm. your thighs, you're this. Da, 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 da. And you heard it all. And I guess that's when I just kind of fully got over it. Cause with my hormonal stuff, I gained tons of weight. I still, I can put it on pretty easily because I still have PCOS, but it's something that I just kind of know how to control. But I'm not, I don't lack confidence because of it. If my weight starts to go off or I see cellulite, I know that internally I got to get something back on track. So it's a sign for me, like, am I just eating like Cheez-Its every single night with my kids? Like what's happening and why am I doing that? So how can I be healthier for them and for me? Um, but it's just not something like I just, it's experience guys. It's not about your body. It's not about your butt to your waistline relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, which we see a lot here in in Los Angeles. And even my girlfriends talk about for in our forties and fifties, but it's, it's about what you've accomplished and what you do. And I have to say too, whether you're young or whether you're forties or fifties or sixties, guess what? The women I hear and the girls I hear same things. And when they're Mm -hmm. lacking something, they're lacking it. And when they're focused on their body image only, it's because they are lacking experience and encouragement or a healthy relationship. So let's go back to what where we are and figuring out what we need in our life to make us feel good. You know, like that's not a big deal. I get too many other things to focus on. Yeah. What I'm hearing um, and kind of the way you're describing things 
is an ability to not just focus on like the result. Like a lot of people are like, oh, my hips are too big or I have saddlebags or this flab here, cellulite or whatever it is. And they get so hyper-focused on the, on this result or problem or whatever. And I, I hear like a really healthy ability. It's like, yes, you work in fitness, you work in beauty. Clearly like aesthetic is part of what you've always loved and when part of your job. So it's not like ignore what you look like and just, you know, be a soul in the world. But, you know, you have an ability to say like, okay, if, if I am feeling slightly less comfortable in my skin or how I'm looking or whatever, yeah, like let's look instead of just focusing on this thing and hating it, let's say, okay, well, what, what is in my control? What can I kind of work on and refine and take care of myself better so that these things, you know, are minimized to the best and of my why body. I've always loved fitness and even nutrition too is because they're tangible. So when I don't know yes. where to start with my emotions, I don't know what's missing in my life right now. I'm in confusion, but I'm just not happy. And I'm not even sure if I'm not happy because that's how lost I am. What I can start to do is take these active, tangible steps to take care of myself through minimal workouts, moving my body, and eating nutritious foods. And guess what? It tricks your body because you're starting to repair your cells, your cells get healthier, your brain gets healthier, you get serotonin, you get more focused and energy. And so the other, you, it clarifies other parts of your life too. You start feeling good about yourself. So if you're in an unhealthy relationship, you start seeing that you're in an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You're more confident internally in yourself. And yes, I never work out. I mean, I just, through the years I've learned like, it's just about, it is about feeling good. Even in being in skincare and wellness, and we won an award for best cellulite treatment for our serum. We have a gua sha, which helps to break it up underneath. What is cellulite? I mean, yeah, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Like, I don't mind if I have it. I don't mind if I don't have it. But it is a sign that I've not been treating my body correctly. Yeah, it's genetic, but there's a lot of environment that turns it on. Mm -hmm. So if my body's dehydrated and I don't have enough... Um, water in my body. If I don't have enough nutrients, that fascia is going to get really dry and hard and attached. If I've had injuries, if I'm not working my body in the right way, if I'm sitting on my butt a lot at a computer, right? That's how we get it. So, I mean, mm -hmm. easiest thing, I'm not treating it because I care what people think I'm treating it because I'm going to repair that. So it doesn't age more rapidly and I don't have pain there. It doesn't start to move up into other, you know, portions of my body because the fascia wraps around your entire body. And so all these like little signs, I'm treating it for my total well-being. Exactly. Right. I love that. And I love that that's your philosophy. Like your products clearly exemplify your years of experience. Like just hearing your story, you can see where working with a plastic surgeon and, you know, working with skincare and then working your fitness jobs, like how those have all come together to create this incredible line that's total body wellness and KO body and KO supplements. I just, I love that so much. And I think it's so important, especially in the age of now, but anytime, any period in your life to listen to your body as it's getting you through the day and to like, you know, respond to that 
internal stimuli. So like I have a headache. Do I need to drink more water? Or like you said, cellulite. Not, not just pop an Advil right away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, right. like you have more curiosity mm-hmm. and like patience with the this biofeedback system that is our body. And it's incredible. I mean, you're like the master of knowledge at this. It's like if you respond to the messages your body's giving you, it will react and heal itself. And then, and then maybe like, let's talk about the Advil, you know, like (laughs) once you've like listened and, and acted on it and communicated with yourself. So it's like, exactly. I never get headaches, but if I get a little pain, I'm like, oh, what I eat? Cause that's a food allergy for me. Right. But I'm so in tune with what did I just eat? Or if I get a tiny little belly ache now, cause I don't get many anymore okay, what did I just eat? What is my body not handling? So I don't do this again. But if you are that in tune with your body, how much more in tune are you going to be with the signs around you? Kind of like falling into these jobs or not falling into these jobs. It's be, it's helped me to be very aware or just like, oh, I feel that my daughter needs me right now. Right. And just being like, I'm going to drop everything and see what's going on. Nice. You just become aware, you know, more in tune with those opportunities in your life. I mean, even KO, it was intuition meets experience meets timing. And so for me, you know, I was doing the fitness programming. Actually, I was working on a TV show in Asia. I had a really fun experience. That was one of the things too, where I got to do like two seasons of a TV reality show over there. I was like the fitness expert and judge, but I was like, peeing in holes on the floor in my Louboutins, like in the middle of like nowhere. It was just really fun, yeah. cool, different experience, especially from girl Pittsburgh, never traveled growing up. You know, it was just really fun. Anywho, so that's where I started to create KO. And it ended up, you know, a girl who was a lawyer with my husband came up to me. The thing was, and I just only want to say this because you got to listen to these moments and you don't have to rush things. So I learned through mm-hmm. life that God puts things in my heart I believe anything, any passion that is in your heart that you want to do is meant for your life. But you, they've helped to heal things I didn't even know, cobwebs that were still there and I'm still working on. Timing, right? Both have to align. And so I learned that over the years and I had been looking for body care. I had all these pregnant clients. I was aging. I was a fitness model seeing changes. Nothing was on the market. Coconut oil doesn't work, guys. Doesn't have the nutrients. Sits on the surface of the skin. Please stop using it. It just doesn't work on your body. And these like straight up oils, especially if you're just getting them from like Whole Foods. We need delivery methods and you need more nutrients than that just for your skin. So, um, and then there was like La Mer, 300 plus dollars and also not Mm -hmm. some not so, you know, honorable ingredients in there. So... I'm trying to, and then I'm not a do-it-yourself kind of girl because I know the stuff at your at home, like you rub some avocado on your face, guys, not great. Again, you want delivery methods. <laughs> you want a little science in your skincare. So I'm just Love waiting it. for it. I'm just like, how do I do this? I'm researching everywhere. And I just, in my heart so deep, and I'm like, I feel like I'm going to make a skincare brand. Maybe one year later, maybe a little less, this woman came into my life and is like, I don't know if you know this, but my family we had one of the first anti-aging skincare brands with one of the top plastic surgeons here in Beverly Hills. We sell it worldwide. We have our own lab now. I'm looking for body care and I can't find it. I was like, it's me too. I've been so passionate. It's yeah. just been in my head like nonstop. And we ended up, we started the business together. I ended up buying her out um, and taking over. But you know, what an amazing experience. And it really was the perfect timing and the perfect preparation and the perfect opportunity that came in to allow me to not be working out of my 
my garage, you know, had I just been so passionate, like I need to do this right now, wouldn't have done it. When we launched, we won like two awards right off the bat and had to launch early because we won awards so fast. You know, it was the perfect opportunity for that kind of stuff. Um, so I truly believe, you know, the biggest learning from that, that I will always take with me is to one, don't be fearful of things. You know, my like flying out to LA kind of taught me that too, but chase your fear. Cause if it's something that you fear, that means you love it and you want it that bad. So just do it once and then you won't be afraid of anything anymore. Speaking in front of people, scared, probably messed up and did silly things. Who cares? You learn it's not a big deal to mess up. I love the point that you're you're making about, um, you know, in, in entrepreneurship, especially like starting a business. I feel like there's a lot of young people that want to start companies right now, but they feel like I've got to be that young person that starts the company right now. And I've got to, you know, get venture capital funding and do this and do that. And there can feel that, that rush, you know, that actually can be the point of failure, you know, I love just like the patience with which you are like, okay, I'm seeing this problem okay, other people have this problem. I'm really like passionate about it. But then the, just with that patience and, and eventually like the right opportunities with the preparation and the studying and everything, it just, it came out of the problem, came a solution yeah. that there isn't, that doesn't have to be that crazy rush and intense energy around, around being an yeah. entrepreneur. And if you don't know what it is yet, you know, I think it's something that I, I did learn from the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books, like when he's like made the Velcro wallet or the Post-it sticky stuff. I mean, you just realize some things, what's missing from where you are. Mm-hmm. And there was no face grade body care. I mean, we trademarked it so much. We were the first to come out and do it that like all the magazines, Vogue, Bazaar was actually saying face grade body care is the new trend of the year. That was actually our trademark. You know what I mean? So we started mm. the entire trend because it was absent. So is it hard yeah. when you do something like that? Yeah, because you have to educate the people then. But listen, look and see what the opportunity, what's missing from your life. I still see so many things like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't want to get into another business. But this is still missing, you know? So I love that it's not it's not a story that you're telling where you're saying, because there were a lot of green lights in your life, but it wasn't just green lights. It's the preparation. It's the patience. It's learning and like, basically being the best version of yourself in whatever environment that you're in to prepare yourself for these opportunities. And I also love so much that, you know, you are a very holistic, total body, like you listen to your gut, you listen to your, the signs that your body's giving you, but you combine it with the science. So it's like, I love this so much because the proof is in the pudding. Like, Anything that you want to do, you can do it if you prepare and you can do it well if you learn and understand the key ingredients and the environment that you're working in. And I think that's really what sets you so far apart from so many other, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners is that you really took the time to be on the journey fully, like accept all the failures and just prepare yourself for each new opportunity. Yeah. And like, I was just about to say, there's a lot of red and yellow lights, whether it was like fitness modeling and I didn't get barely any of the jobs, but I got some great ones, you know, whether it was, you know, my business partner going through a lot of personal things. I'm still friends with her, but like it really stalled us for a year or two because she just like wasn't answering emails and having Mm -hmm. it, it not her, you know, fault. There was a lot going on in her personal life. But like, I could have been like, forget it. Then all the other body care brands started coming out. They actually tried to steal our trademarks. And 
there was a lot of things going on, but I was just like, you have to ebb and weave and change. And because my parents were so rigid and hated change, I just built this house. Okay. Such an opportunity. Like, wow. Like the, my husband and I both put ourselves through school, worked really hard to create our own businesses, had the money to build a house. Great. But then people are trying to buy it already because you know how the market is. And we were like, okay, if we do it, we just moved in a year ago. We can change. We can pick up and move. We can change businesses. We can do this. We're just like, no big deal. Someone can hit our car and we're like, we'll get it fixed. It's okay. My parents would be like, the end of the world, da, 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 da. You know, you just, you have to ebb and weave with the red and the yellow lights too, for sure. It's like being an athlete in life, you know, having that strength, but also agility and flexibility and, you know, calm and all of the things that, you know, you portray in, in Endurance 20 and your other programs. So I honestly feel like we have like a bazillion questions for you. We could just pick your brain all day long, but I know you're very busy. You're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, (laughs) you have a lot of things going on. So we'll kind of start wrapping up our interview. Um, We usually end with like a fast five doesn't have to be super fast, but just kind of whatever comes to the top of your mind. Um, and then and then we'll close out. So Keish, do you want to start with yeah. the first one? Sure. So of all the hats you've worn throughout your life, which has been your favorite? My motherhood and being a wife. I love my husband so much, but motherhood's definitely the most hard and rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it's taught you a lot yeah. about, you know, how to deal with other aspects of life. It is. It's really, again, they've helped to heal things I didn't even know, cobwebs that were still there and I'm still working on. And I, we didn't really get to talk too much about your daughters, but so you adopted your first. Yeah. I always wanted to adopt and and it was like something I always went into relationships with. And my husband was like, sure. You never know if you will, but I had five years of fertility issues and we were finally like, let's just adopt now. Well, clearly for number two, clearly you wear a lot of hats. You juggle a lot of things. Delegation must be an important part of what you do. What's the most important help or hire that you've made in this process? One is my relationship with my husband. (laughs) The most important relationship or hire that you're going to do, because I really do, I look back now and I'm like, it's a business relationship you have in any relationship. And if you can think about it that way a little bit, it's better than pulling so much emotion into it. Like we're very equal. I've always been the girl like, that's your dirty laundry. Uh, You put the dishes in the dishwasher, either learn it or pay for somebody who does. And so my husband, most of the time is like, I'll just pay for somebody who does. You know, we have support within the house. I got to, I really want to focus on my business, especially where it is right now. And I feel lucky enough that I have other people doing some of the stuff. And so, you know, you need that support when you can financially as the business grows. Favorite healthy meal to make? I mean, I don't really have one. I'm the girl that always makes something different. Like even for Christmas holidays, whether it's healthy or not healthy, I'll make it. We have a big family here. My husband's whole family is here, nieces and nephews and stuff, brothers, sisters, And so they're always like, can you make what you made last year? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to make something new on the fly too. Like I don't try it beforehand, (laughs) but I love to cook. Sundays, I like to meal prep on Sundays. Love it. Very creative. What's like a a recent favorite book, podcast, or source of information or inspiration? Oh, let me go grab it. It's sitting right here. It's Kimberly Snyder's new book. Actually, it's on my podcast and it should be on my podcast next week. And it was so cool. It's called You Are More Than You Think You Are. And she's come out with tons of nutritional books. So she used to be on set and she had a bunch of celebrities. She's a nutritionist. And the amazing part that I learned from her is that 
she breaks down the tools kind of like we're talking about to heal yourself, get the most out of your life, figure it all out. And it's just so beautiful and relatable and beautiful lessons from healers from all different times, you know, and, and different religions and different practices. And it's just, it's just a gorgeous book. So Kimberly Snyder, you are more than you think you are. Favorite book of the year, I can tell you already. Thank you. Oh, so good. Okay. So I'm very curious about this with everything that's going on, being a mom, having multiple businesses, how do you stay organized with your time? Calendar. I mean, you know, I try and calendar everything in. So even my workouts, like I still calendar in. Um, like meal prep, I know is Sundays too. You know, the little time that I have, like on the weekends, I just go and work out when the baby's napping, you know, any meetings and just knowing like the kids' schedules because I have to work around that basically. So I just have to nail it all in. Yeah. Kind of like Steve Jobs with his, you know, turtleneck sweaters, like the <laughs> things that you can kind of put on autopilot. It's like, think about it, be mindful about the preparation, but then create a system where you don't have to make each decision with each moment. So we have one final question we like to ask if we have time. Um, what was one quality that you had as a young woman that maybe you didn't take pride in or appreciate back then, but that now you're, when you're looking back, you're really proud of and you have love for? I was always strong. I mean, I look back and even though I actually thought I was the weak one, you know, where I was like, I'm going to go find friends with the biggest, meanest looking burly girls. And I really did to like protect me. I look back at even younger years and it's a super funny story, but like I told you about my one girlfriend, she's still my best friend. And in the bathroom, you know, the girl's flicking water and trying to fight. And I was like, thanks. My hair looks great like this. Now I need you to back away from her. (laughs) Or like in like fifth grade, I went to an all Christian school for one year or sixth grade. And I had five people in my class total, two little boys who I, not derogatory, but they were the sweetest little dorky kids in two completely different ways. Like one was like, you know, at my shoulder. So they're the sweetest boys. And, but one came up to me and he had like four glue balls in his hand. And I remember him, he was like, I got six balls. And I just took one and I just tossed it at him and like knocked him over or something like that. And he like dropped everything, fell to the ground. I was like, now you don't. That's like out of a movie. And I can't even believe I was just the sweetest, quietest. If you knew who I was, like, you know, I don't, I can't believe, but I guess I always was a pretty, I don't even know what balls were. Sorry, everybody. But I didn't, I don't even know how I knew what that was at that point. And I, so I guess I was always a strong little chick. So I love it. Just in me. <laughs> well, I love I love that story to end on. So cute, so funny, and so powerful. We had, I mean, this has been such a great conversation. We so appreciate your time, Christine. Um, to our audience, Christine Bullock, we will Thanks, link all sorts of different things that she has to offer and some of the books that we mentioned and whatnot. Yes. But um, thank you, Christine, for being here. And we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?